With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode of On the Microphone. I have with me Lorenzo Hughes. Lorenzo, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm very happy to be on the show. Now, Lorenzo, you have a lot of experience in front of the camera, on the stage. What is your main message? What are the topics on which you mostly speak? Well, the main topic that I I, I speak on, or if you want to call it my keynote speech, uh, anything like that, but it would be really just fatherhood. Um, and I and I chose fatherhood because not only is it because it's something that I'm experienced in, but it's something that I found uh, to be a very important issue that 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 surrounds us. Um, because the way the way I see it with fatherhood, it's not only a, a very rewarding title that a lot of men are 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 blessed to receive but there's these these penalizations that come along with it. um like for example you know me myself I, father I, I had a joy fatherhood was was a joy for me but as i've watched other you know friends of mine and associates uh who 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 were also fathers i watched them fight through uh you know not only custody battles, but just to be fathers to their children, uh, mm. you know, fighting with the mother and uh, um, um, family court and, and things like that. And it really inspired me to really get out and try to have a conversation, not only just with men, but also with, with women to, to kind of give them a vision of, of not only just the importance, but you know, what fatherhood is like for us, what parenting is like for us. Uh, it's something that I've seen to be a topic that has been danced around or neglected or, or, uh, or put on the back shelf or on the back burner. And um, it, 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 it became very passionate for me to try to have dialogue. One of the things that I've, I've always mentioned going on a lot of these, uh, these platforms, um, speaking with men, is that we have these conversation amongst each other as men, but we're not bringing the women to the table to share this information. And where we lose, I think a lot of benefit is when we don't bring each other, not only as men and women, but even as cultures, bringing them to, bringing them to the table and having this ex exchange of dialogue of the importance of our being able to live together amongst each other. Um, and, and like I said, being in particular as mother and father, how important that is not only to us as as couples, but to the children as well. Um, so that became a, a, a very important keynote keynote speech for me. But, you know, to kind of add really quick and to make this short, 
you know, I've, I've been asked, you know, what can I, what type of topic can I speak of without preparation? You know, fatherhood is one of those, but also uh, with my background uh, doing clinical and orthopedic, you know, massage therapy, I've spoken many times on just the power of touch. And we don't realize, you know, the power of touch. And like I said, this goes back into, you know, when, when we talk about fatherhood and relationships, the, the, the power of touch and how that improves sometimes our relationships, not only with our spouses, but with, uh, with uh, people that we are associated with. So what is the number one thing, I guess you could say, or misperception or mis misunderstanding that women have when it comes to fatherhood? Well, I, I would say the importance of you know, the father and his relationship with that child. Um, and, you know, I, and I hate to say this, but when, when we go through these relationship breakups, whether it be divorce or separation, and it's not that the, the mother or the father is divorcing the child, the parents are divorcing each other, not the children. And, and what sometimes what we don't realize is that the actions that we have toward each other as adults have a trickle-down effect. It affects the children, and we see it. We, we're 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 seeing it firsthand, you know, within the societies that we live in. That there is a trauma, a hidden trauma that's taking place amongst our children um, when 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 the when the parents are are apart or they're they're bickering and fighting each other with each other. You know, I spoke with I had a personal conversation with my son, and he was talking about one. He mentioned that one of his biggest issues was was seeing his friends who um, were have, they would have family get togethers and their mother and fathers are together. And he, he, has, he has this deep seated pain wishing that he could experience that. You know, even with my own experience, me growing up without my father in, in you, know, uh, you know, being with me growing up, um, one of the things I, I, I've, I've mentioned to people is what we don't realize as single parents, um, for example, like with me, I remember firsthand, though, like it was yesterday, those days, you know, in first, second, third grade, when they had to send that permission slip home with you when you were having that uh, uh, bring your father to school day moments. And it, 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 there's this there's this 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 emptiness and this shamefulness that you have that. You know, you have no father in the home, so you bring that that curiosity as a young child. You're, you're wondering, okay, well, where is my dad? Why isn't my dad here? Should I take this permission slip home to my mom, knowing that there's no dad really in the house? And, you know, it, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a trauma that you go through. You know, even when those days came around, they had to partner you up with uh, um, a group or uh, another child whose dad was there. So they were kind of like your substitute dad for that day. So you could participate in activities. So there is, there is a trauma that that you go through as a child, and we don't. I think some some maybe sometimes we do realize it, but it it goes kind of un it kind of goes neglected sometimes. I feel. So what what role does your trauma play in your presentations? Because so as I'm listening, it it sounds like it can be a heavy topic. 
And how do you Mm -hmm. ensure that you are effective, that your message reaches the audience, even as you are dealing with a topic that can carry a lot of weight with it? Because presentation- With my my message. Okay, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, see, with my message, um, the way I drive it home and the way I introduce it is whenever we're delivering a message, especially if it's a, a life experience, Sometimes if I, I, I like to bring topics to my audience of, of interest or of concern or that I feel they can be educated by, but I want to have a story or I would like to have a life experience story so I can take them on a journey so that they can see uh, firsthand experience of what an individual actually goes through. And what I've learned over time is in many cases, when you share a life experience, Many times the people in that audience, many of the people in that audience may share that same life experience that you have and you, you're able to touch them emotionally, especially people who, are, who have gone unaware that these type of things even take place or are experienced by children and they follow them, you know, not only as children, but all the way up into adulthood. So I try to take them on that journey and share that with them and kind of give them a uh, uh, I guess, kind of like a secondhand type of experience of what we're feeling as young men or young children growing up in these type of uh, predicaments or situations. Have you ever been scared of public speaking? I have. I, I have been afraid, yes. What What shifted for you? I'm sorry? What shifted for you? What got you to the point where you are now? Well, what shifted for me, what shifted for, for me was my desire to help. I think as, as human beings, we have this desire to, to help people. I mean, we just, we have it in us, but sometimes we don't know how we're able to do it. And in many cases, sometimes it's our message. It's, it's, it's our voice because sometimes your voice can save a life. We can look at situations where suicide was was really big uh, in the news, which I mean, it's still an issue now. Um, but and I, I even have a daughter who experienced, you know, suicide uh, of a close friend of hers. And what I've what I've learned just even with suicide or anybody that's going through a trauma, in many cases we blow it off and say, "Oh, well, you know, that person's just acting out. Oh, they're just acting weird." You know, we blow those things off, but these are cries that people are, silent cries that people are having. And sometimes that silent cry just needs, you know, not only your listening ear, but they want to hear your voice. And when I say, when I, when I say, when I talk about the importance of your voice, some, sometimes you can share something with someone to let them know that they're not alone. Because in, in a lot of these traumatic situations, we feel alone. We feel like we're the only one. Why is this happening to me? We always say to ourselves. But in many cases, you're not alone. Sometimes you can offer that to someone to let them know, like, hey, look, I, you're not alone. I'm here with you. This is how I got through it. This is what I did. And, and you can sh- this, you have the opportunity to, to share with someone, not only to share your information, but your gift of a life experience or your gift of, of speaking. 
Having appeared in numerous television and radio commercials, Lorenzo has performed in numerous stage plays as well. He's a radio personality for KCPZ Praise 95.3 FM in Kansas City. He spent two years with Toastmasters International. He's a community organizer and leader with the KC Tenants in Kansas City former vice president of the Kansas City chapter of Black CEOs and a former mentor for the Kansas City School District and the Hickman Mills School District in Kansas City, Missouri. Lorenzo has had two practices providing clinical and orthopedic massage, manual, and exercise therapy. He's also the proud father of two daughters and a son, and he cherishes, as you can tell, the role of fatherhood. Lorenzo, what is the difference between the first presentation you can remember making, and it doesn't have to be a paid presentation, the difference between the first presentation you can recall and your most recent presentation? What's the difference between the two? Um, I was so terrified. Uh, my, my first presentation, I was so terrified, but... I, I've, with, with my, with my performing arts background and, and with the training that I had to go through doing like improv, one of the things that they teach you is that to perform on stage, you have to be willing to make a fool out of yourself. So we did a lot of things that was very uncomfortable in front of other class members. Um, and I, be, I had become com comfortable with being uncomfortable. I had become comfortable with taking on fear or walking through fear. Um, so as time went on, when it came, down, came to speaking, I started learning how to, number one, speak on topics that I was familiar with. My first speech, you know, I, you know, I, I found myself trying to walk in the light of other speakers, which I learned is a, is a big no-no. Yeah. Um, so with that first speech i was i was trying to be uh, eric thomas which which just did not go very well and once i learned how to walk within my own space within my own light i began to speak on topics that i was passionate about so when i spoke on the topics that i was passionate about i really didn't i really didn't have to prepare prepare much i just needed to know what my why was why was I up there? Why was I trying to deliver that message? And what message did I need to get? Why did I want to get across to my audience? And I was a lot more comfortable. So I started speaking within my lane, so to speak. Speaking within your lane, how important is that? And how do people find their lane? Um, it, it's very important because when you speak within your own lane, you find yourself speaking in areas that you're that you're comfortable with, and again, what you're passionate about, and it comes across as more genuine when your audience is listening to you. A lot of times you'll find many times you'll find stories to go along with the topics that you're speaking of. Not only not only do the story not only do stories kind of fit, work as fillers. When you're talking about time, but they 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 tend to pull the audience in emotionally to to your conversation. 
Um, and to answer, what was your second question? Oh, how, how do you find your lane? And yeah, yeah, finding your lane is, is, is again, it's, it's finding those areas of comfort, those areas where you're comfort, those areas where you're passion, passionate, those topics that you're passionate about. Um, let's say, for example, you are a finance officer and your passion is finances. When you sit down and figure out, okay, what type of what type of message do I want to give out? It's finances, and how do I want to give it out? You, once you structure your why, why you're doing this, you start to to put together different elements and ways you're able to educate people, and you can educate them on why um, understanding and learning finances financing is important, and you can explain to them how it's uh beneficial to them and it's it, it's easier to do it's one of those it's one of those you put yourself in a position where you don't have to prepare as much okay now i, I i've heard you say you know because you're speaking from a place of passion and this is this is your lane it tends to reduce the amount of preparation that has to go into your speaking. However, I'm a fan of preparation. (laughs) I am a huge fan of preparation. Would you say it doesn't reduce the amount of preparation that you have to put into your speaking? If you're speaking from your life, but it reduces maybe the level of stress or I don't know, worry. I, you know, I totally agree with you. I totally agree. Okay. And, and let me kind of iterate a little bit on that. Okay. You have a lot of people like to speak, you know, from PowerPoints and things like that. I try to prepare where I do not have to rely on technology. For example, yes. if I prepare to speak on a specific topic, if I show up and, you know, the power's down, my laptop's not working well, or the tablet, something's going on with the tablet. And, you know, people are in their seats and they're waiting at this paid event and they're waiting, you know, to have a message delivered to them. I'm ready to rock and roll until somebody can work on how to get this this uh, information up and going. I'm on time. I'm able to start right on time. You know, I'm able to say, hey, you guys go ahead and work on that. I'm going to go ahead and get started. Okay. Okay. So I don't like to have to rely on technology if I don't have to. Yes. I will sit down and prepare my notes and have everything outlined and I will go over those and I know my notes. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very big advocate because I love uh, to engage my audience in a, in, a, in, a, in a way where it's very conversational to where, we ha- we, where there's a level of intimacy. So I don't like to read from like note cards or PowerPoints much. I like to walk around and actually talk to my audience and engage my audience. Um, so, I'll, I mean, I'll go back and I'll look at notes and look at topics, but then I walk away from it. Okay. And I talk to my audience. Okay. You make it more of a conversation than a presentation. Yes. Very nice. In short order, you will have the opportunity to ask me a question. Looking forward to that. In the meantime, I have two more questions for you. Yeah. What made you want to be on the stage? What made you want to get in front of the camera? 
I, you know, the, the, I'm going to say the primary thing that really wanted to, that, that really pushed me to have the desire to get, you know, on the stage is my desire to help people. I wanted to have the opportunity to, to share with people that we're, we are people, that we're human beings. Um, and like, like I mentioned, you know, before that with my, one of my primary topics being fatherhood is that I want, I would, I want for people to understand that we are human too. You know, we, 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 we want to be loved. We want to be cared for as men. We want to be appreciated. You know, we want to be admired. You know, we, we're, we're human. So it's when, when, when I talk about, or when I have this desire to get on stage, I want to share with people that as an audience, you're not alone or we're not alone in the experiences that we have. And to be better people amongst each other, these are some of the things that I suggest that we change or I believe that we should change about each other. And, and one of those biggest changes is being able to share with each other. One of the one of the, the biggest things that I've noticed, not only just as men and women, but as 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 a culture, is we are afraid to have conversations with each other that are uncomfortable. I, I don't know if it's because we lack the ability, but I I have the desire to get to get up in front of people and try to have those uncomfortable conversations so that in turn we can have a comfortable relationship with each, other, with each other through understanding, trying to understand who we are as men and women and who we are as, as different cultures. Um, so my desire came behind that, that desire to be able to engage people and to come together as human beings and share with each other. Very nice. What's your question for me? My question for you, it's interesting because you just asked me, was what was your desire? To, to, to be on the stage, to engage people? <laughs> I was that lame kid in elementary school who, when we had to read aloud and each student would take about a paragraph or two, I would sit and I would count and see how many students were ahead of me. Then I'd try to correlate that with the number of paragraphs in the reading. So I knew with very with a very small margin of error, which paragraph would be my responsibility. And I would sit there and mentally read that paragraph or silently read that paragraph so that when it was my time, I was delivering it with all the life, energy, and gusto I could imagine. Yeah. And that love of reading and somewhat performing. I'm sitting in a little desk in a classroom with 30 other students who aren't paying me any attention, but I'm still performing in my mind. There is a spotlight shining on me. That always came with a level of comfort for me, that it, it was easy. I did not shy away from having to read in front of someone or talk in front of a group that carried on to church school. I was church school secretary. I loved giving my little report at the end of the lesson for the day. 
So it, it was just something that was enjoyable for me. It came with relative ease. There's still preparation though, but Mm -hmm. that's where it came from. Oh, and I was the kid that got talks too much on all of her report cards. (laughs) And Lorenzo, I never understood why that was an issue. I mean, Uh I'm just, you know, being everybody's friend, right? I'm Uh done with my work. I'm bored. Let's talk. I later understood that I was interrupting others from getting their work done. Yes. But yeah, just loving the written word and the spoken word. That is beautiful. But you know, I, I, you know, I'm very glad that I asked that question and you shared yeah. that because I think a lot of people, like I mentioned before, because you shared that, a lot of people went through that because I was, I was terrified of that. So what? the teacher would, the teacher would always say, "Well, who wants to read their report first? And no one would go first. <laughs> and what I did, what I, I, I saw that as an opportunity. I said, you know, if I get my report done early and work on it, I can raise my hand first and get it out of the way. And I can read smoothly through the report without stumbling. And that way, and, I, and that was one of the ways I, I decided I figured out how to confront my fear. But real quick, too, is one of the things I, I, I've mentioned in past uh, talks is that with, with the way you were treated um, as being someone that talks a lot, what a lot of teachers re- don't realize is that is your leadership potential. And when you don't allow a student to uh, uh, capitalize on their leadership potential, you, you hinder them from growth. And that's what, and, and that, that's where the importance of uh, very good teachers, when, when they notice that, that's an opportunity to produce a leader in society when they notice that about someone. This person likes to talk. I'm gonna set them up with the opportunity to utilize that skill. That's an opportunity. Because I felt it was something that needed to be tamped down. It was something that needed to be controlled. It was something that was problematic because Mm -hmm. it was always in the teacher comments section and it didn't necessarily have any kind of air of positivity attached to it. So every grading period, I would start anew. I'd start fresh. I'd go to school that Monday saying, this is going to be the grading period where I am not going to get that talks too much notation. And yeah, you know, it may have worked a couple of days. By Wednesday, I'm chatty Kathy all over again. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. Oh, goodness. Well, what else do listeners need to know from you, Lorenzo, before we close out our conversation? Um, Well, yeah, yeah, they can, like I said, they can find me, you know, on on Facebook at Lorenzo T. Hughes if they want to reach out to me. Um, They can also find me on, on LinkedIn. Uh, they can just look up a time to speak on even on LinkedIn. I should pop up. You can also go to my website at www.atimetospeak.life as well. Um, and and like I said, I'm 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 always willing to answer any questions that people may have out there. Um, if if you're interested in, in in booking me for an event, you know I will be more than happy uh, to meeting with you about that as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for sharing some of your personal insights and experiences as we all work to get past this concern over how to get up there and shine brightly on the stage. Thank you so much, Lorenzo. Yes. And thank you so much. I appreciate you. 
for sure. Everybody, thank you for tuning into this episode. Until next time, make sure you're always owning the microphone. Or let me make sure I'm on brand. Make sure you own the microphone. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye.